In this episode of Industry Relations, we're going to go deep into the new construction business and its impact on the housing market with an actual expert on new construction, Kevin Oakley of Do You Convert? Join us. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is, of course, the notorious Rob, Rob Hahn. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, the fabulous Greg Robertson. Yeah, hola, Rob. <laughs> I don't know how I'm getting known for jazz hands. That's not a because you keep that was doing never it. in my profile. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't you know. know. Just be glad you're known as a fabulous Greg Robertson, not jazz hands Greg Robertson, because that could happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, I just don't want to. I don't want people to like when I meet them. What, can I see the jazz hands, please? It'll be like you know. Yeah. And anyway, just just as a heads up to our listeners who aren't seeing this on YouTube um, or video. Neither Greg nor I are wearing hats today because I've noticed sometimes we'll both wear hats, sometimes, you know, on and off. But uh, we both chose to go hatless. Just we are hatless. We didn't coordinate. Yes. No. <laughs> but and, I think and, it's good. And, uh, and no over-the-ear earphones, right? I'm using the That's earphones. Right. That's right. That's right. I get that, you know, that uh, headphone hair for the rest of the day, and it's really not, really not a good look. And, and, you know, like I, I've been investigating like actual headphones for whatever. And it's like, I don't mm -hmm. need the high quality. We're just listening to each no. other's voice, you know, all crumpled up with the Internet connections and whatnot. Who cares? AirPods are great. So yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. But uh, we have a lot of things to discuss. And today's a very special episode because we, you know, normally it's you and me just bantering and arguing with each other. And, you know, we're not arguing and, you know, just... Well, I'm just, you're, we're not really arguing. You're wrong, and I'm just showing you the ways. Exactly. How you, exactly. you should be right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all of those things. But I thought <laughs> there was something that happened recently I just saw on Twitter. I said, you know, let's actually bring somebody who really knows what the hell he's talking about to educate us. So let me introduce Mr. Kevin Oakley over there, here, somewhere. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> I think the jazz hands come from just you being happier, Greg, overall. Oh, it's totally. The, no, the optimist bring. of the channel. Exactly. I, I yes. like that, Kev. I like that. Since when are you the optimist of the channel? I, I'm quite optimistic. I'm very but, white pill. You're optimistic about... on the other side of total destruction, Rob. Well, yes, but... Rebirth. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about, like, you know, this whole thing is going to be, like, brought down by bar bartering gold for oil. I mean, I don't know what the hell... <laughs> You know, it's going to be great after that. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. In any event, uh, we, we asked Kevin to join us because the topic we want to tackle essentially is sort of new construction, you know, as a whole and how it impacts sort of the housing market. And Greg and I are like, we don't, I mean, we're probably a lot like most of our listeners. Like we, we, we know new construction exists. We know it's a big chunk of the market. I, in fact, bought a new construction home in my life. Hey. Okay. You know, but we don't really understand it that well. So we thought, you know what, Kevin, uh, Kevin, by the way, is the managing direct managing partner of Do You Convert? Um, 
He is an expert in new construction. So why don't we start off, Kevin, with a little bit of intro? Because again, I don't know how many of our audience knows you and your background, your work. Yeah, and, and just, for some, just for some additional context, I know we were talking about this offline. When right around, the co, right around COVID and during some of that time, we had a person on, and I forget his name, uh, talk about mortgage. Um, and the mortgage market, and and and, the, and I got such a great feedback because a lot of our listeners, as, as as Rob said, you know, didn't really know about that. I mean, we're all kind of like you know res, resi geeks, I guess you would call yep. it. So, um, really, come base level with us, Kev. I'm like, I know there's the the new homes market, there's the existing homes market, and what's the differences, and how does that factor in the whole economy and everything else that's you know that's going on here? But really, base for us, man. Yeah, you bet. So f first of all, my, my background comes from, I've worked for three different home building organizations, uh, a two and a half billion dollar private company um, that did about 8,000 homes a year. Uh, then I went to work for a smaller family owned custom home building company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for eight years. And then um, my last uh, round as an actual home builder was with NVR, uh, which is, uh, I believe, $8 billion revenue organization, public company. I ran two home building divisions for them. I come primarily from sales and marketing and, and consumer psychology, but I've, I've been involved in all aspects of the business as a builder. Um, and then uh, Do You Convert, we partner with home building uh, companies across the country, just over 75 of them who collectively are going to approach $30 billion in revenue this year uh, in 41 different states. And we're talking to someone in Hawaii, so hope to be doing a little scouting trip out there Could be there 42, soon. right on. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So you know this space incredibly well. Um, why don't we just start with like, like Greg said, like what's new home versus existing home? Like, what are the differences? I and I know it seems obvious, but let's just make sure there may be things we don't know about. No, I think. Well, I think the first thing is that there's two big groupings within new construction. There is new construction that is partially already built or fully complete, and in that sense, it's just a new existing home, more or less in the eyes of the consumer. And then there is what we call a pre-sale product where the consumer is making all the selections, doing all the, all the choices. And then over the course of, unfortunately during the pandemic, what feels like five years, we'll build your house and ask you to change materials three times because we can't find it and, and tell you that it might take a little bit longer, but going through that entire, that, that entire build process. And, and sometimes, and I guess on, on those two sections, that's great to know on the fully complete, they might be fully completely built, but they're not sold. Exactly. Is that right? And especially okay. not during the pandemic, because there is a period of time where the demand was so great and the costs were so unknown that builders said, you know what? Consumer, consumers and purchasers are optional. We just feel so secure that whatever we build will eventually be sold. And we actually will be able to sell it for more for every month that we don't release it to the market. Right. That wow. There was this big shadow inventory that was created. And I got, that was my first Twitter fight, I would say, was with a couple market analysts who were like, you're ridiculous. Everything that they can sell, they're selling. I'm like, no, they're no, not. they're not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But you know what? Actually, do us a favor. Step back to maybe more normal times before the pandemic. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, <clears throat> I don't know what even passes as normal. Actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Give us a little bit of like how new construction used to work before pandemic, what mm -hmm. happened during the pandemic, and then now, especially last year when things started crashing. Just give us a... Well, there was probably, there's probably three things because I think after GFC, yeah, everything stopped, right? So there's yeah. almost before GFC, really, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, before GFC, and I, I started in the industry in 03, so fresh out of school, and I'm like, I don't understand. These people are getting loans with just saying what they make, but okay, I guess this is how it works. And <laughs> uh, and so I just kind of saw, I mean, builders were still making good money all the way up through 06, but there was a period in 03, 04, where without mortgage, you already saw things were turning and going the other way. And then all these creative financing programs came, and that lifted us through to 07 when the GFC hit. Uh, there, again, I'm going to keep classifying things into, into different parts. There are p- home builders whose express purpose is to have those fully completed homes finished. Think DR Horton, think LGI. They tend to be uh, f- focused more at the first-time buyer or the first-time move-up buyer market. And they believe, like I do, that the main issue that we have is not a lack of overall housing as much as a lack of affordable housing. And so their belief is as long as we can build affordable housing, we should just go ahead and do that. And they are manufacturers who, who create homes. Um, that, that business model has ebbed and flowed in the amount that they do, but it's been very steady through any variation of market condition. It's just how fast are we pushing? Let's but that, that really when, is when you say steady, focus. like how many units are we talking about typically on like normal year? Um, uh, well, Home builders tend to organize themselves around divisions or, or groups. So even when you talk about a national builder like a DR Horton, they're going to have a, each division is going to do individually per, per MSA 500 to 1,000 homes. And some MSAs might have three or four divisions. So we're talking large numbers. Um, but when the market changed, that particular builder profile just said, we can afford to build a little bit slower and save on costs because the demand might not be there. Or they're saying pedal to the metal. Uh, but but they never change their business model to say hey we're gonna we're gonna move away from inventory speculative building to trying to get more pre-sales. That's just not their model. Their model is just to manufacture. And in fact, they're kind of almost set up to make sure that their manufacturing capacity hits minimum thresholds. So they don't have to lay. If you lay off a factory that's 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 creating uh, floor joist systems or or truss systems for a plant, those people are going to get other jobs. You may never get them back. Mm. Uh, so. That, that, that's one so, category of home building company is they're, they're production builders. Sometimes you'll hear them mentioned. They're manufacturing organizations focused on. I guess what I'm curious homes. about, Kevin, is just, again, as, a, as an expert in this particular segment, like yeah. nationally speaking, uh, roughly how many of the production builders, are, like units, are we talking about in a normal-ish type oh. of year? Yeah, you're you're talking, um, and now they'll do both multifamily and single family, but sure. you're talking anywhere from a million uh, to one point one point five. Okay, so million to one point five. The reason I ask is obviously in the existing homes, we say that the normal year should be about five and a half million homes sold. Mm-hmm. So it's roughly a third. I mean, uh, to, like a fifth to a third quarter. Yeah, something. Yeah, like now okay. multifamily. I th- to me, it's hard to throw them both together because it's very different profiles, very different types of development, uh, right. platting, all the things that go into it. So I tend to think more about single family, which okay. is which is going to be you know under right around a million ish on its own, typically. Okay. So typically, we could say about twenty percent of the existing home market. Mm-hmm. So like when AR says five and a half million, the production new home builders would be roughly around a million. I think that's a pretty yeah. reasonable. And again, the part that makes it confusing is you've got some that are sold and some that are just being built without a, without a, a customer attached to it. So, Okay, yeah, that's an important distinction. So it's mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. Rob, it's not a million sold. <clears throat> right. It's a million built. And that, that's the ebb and flow. And that's, that's one of the reasons why you're seeing new home companies respond faster in terms of price reductions, mm-hmm. concessions, 
uh, right. creative financing opportunities because yeah. they have to react to what has been okay, constructed. Yeah, we're going to get to that. All right. So that was sort of normal. What happened during the pandemic with the production guys? Uh, yeah. So the, the, the absolute low, uh, according to, to the Fred data that's available, um, is May 2009 at essentially half a million homes. Yeah, so but every that, build, everybody got burnt because of the GFC. Mm-hmm. Housing is, you know, is is verboten, right? There's, is, yeah. you know, is so like hurt, and they went down to about a half mil. Okay, yep. And that's again half mil built, not meaning all those were sold, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, although at that point, most of them would not have been built on speculative inventory, um, simply because it was too risky to do so. And so I, I'm just pulling up the graph here. One of the interesting things about the GFC that people don't often realize who don't, don't think about it is it took a long time to hit the bottom. I mean, 2006, this is uh, housing starts, 2006 to 2009, that's a long time to, for a market to adjust. Um, and that's, you know, one of the hopes here is that, that this is a sharp and severe but shorter duration event that we're going through right now. Great. Okay. okay. So <laughs> since you brought it to the what we went through, what happened in 22 with new home construction? In 2022, uh, about halfway through the year, builders said, oh, man, we love and no one. No, I have to pretend like no one's going to listen because people won't be happy that I'm going to share some of these numbers, but it's OK. Um, I mean, typical home builder profit margin is in the 20s. And your goal is obviously to have a net profitability of around 10%, especially a public company. That's what you need to provide Wall Street. So when builders were able to have 40, 45, in some cases, uh, extreme cases, 50% margins, gross margins on a sale of a home. Oh, baby, life is good. Life is grand. And yeah, demand softening. But look, we could just reduce the price by five grand and they would still fly off the shelves. Uh, and, and by a third quarter, um, there was some panic starting to set in or concern of, okay, now think about home builders have to manage, again, another different grouping of people. People, what we call in our backlog, who have already signed a purchase agreement, but we have not yet delivered the keys to their home and collected the money. So that's amazing amounts of profit that you can't curl up with at night that don't yet exist until the home closes, mm-hmm. but it makes you feel really good. And so then how do you react to what you see the market doing while not causing a lot of folks to cancel on their contract or try to renegotiate? So there was this kind of ostrich in the head, hey, we're going to ignore that because we have so much of a backlog at such great profit margins that if we, if we start to react slowly and steadily to this, we, we might lose money. So just pretend like this isn't really happening. <laughs> we'll deal with inventory when it comes. And by Q4, then cancellations started to get up as, as high as 20% uh, in some markets like in Austin, uh, Phoenix, uh, Boise, um, even higher. And that's when Q- Q4 is, especially public builders, they want to get inventory off of their books mm-hmm. and they tend to do deep discounting. So we, you know, there were builders in Austin, Texas, who on a $700,000 home in December of 22 would have offered you happily uh, 200 grand off plus a, an interest rate of, uh, you know, 4% and a buy down. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so let me, let me just, cause I've, I mean, Rob has, but I have not <clears throat> bought a new home before. I mean, 
are you locking in interest rates, you know, when you make that order, or you have to wait for that is, I mean, is it when you buy from a new home builder are, is the loan usually, I mean, is what's the attachment rate on that type of stuff? I mean, are they a great, trying to go all question. in? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is, what are all those things yeah. about? There is a minority subset of new construction that's financed through what's called a construction loan. And that loan is closed up front when the construction begins. And then you're drawing off of that. And one of the great things about that scenario is you're only paying interest on the amount that's been drawn. So, you know, when I just built my last house, it was a construction loan. And for the first year, as the home's being built, my maximum payment was, I think, like $700 on a, on a million dollar build. So uh, that's the minority, though. Most of them uh, cannot be locked until you get within around nine, 60 to 90 days without paying points or some other uh, fees to extend that rate lock. So that's, so that's, a canc- that's a cancellation yeah. coming through, right? You got, you, 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 you signed something or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is in, in a, in an October of 2020, you know, 22 or whatever. Um, and then, or I guess, you know, depending on the time and then boom, yeah. Or 21, I guess. And then all of a sudden, boom, interest rates go up. Right. Uh, the most they've ever gone up and as, as most quickly they've ever gone up increases. That's right. Than ever, ever, ever in 50 years. Right. The two, and they're the like two saying, groups, I cancel. <laughs> yeah. The two groups that, that we've heard the most uh, noise from in terms of cancellation. The first is investors who are just smart enough to say, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I, I can afford to walk away from that hand money. And the second group was those who truly couldn't afford due to that rate change. What's really interesting is that for the for the other still majority of people, they were not willing to go back to the uncertainty of not having a place to live, to use Rob's, like they don't want to live under a bridge, cardboard box, not an option. So this has been painful. It might end up being more expensive than we thought, but we can still afford it. And holy crap, I don't want to restart this process and have another year of uncertainty of not knowing what's going on. Right, right. Uh, so most people still are not canceling. Okay. All right, so okay. then... So, you know, it's typically one to one and a half million. The lowest it went to was 500,000. Again, this is a mixture of sold or not sold. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, how does this affect like, you know, for builders right now, if we look at just the, the overall kind of thing, housing supply, right? We hear that there's a big problem with housing supply. There's a shortage of inventory. I mean, where does that, where does, what is, uh, you know, in the, in the overall macro sense, where do, where do the new home construction kind of f- factor in that and all the, in all the stats? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked. And, and by the way, everyone should be to this episode, especially if you're listening to it on audio, seriously, like go check it out on YouTube because Kevin's presenting some awesome charts and graphs that you're going to want to see. Okay. And none of these yet are mine. So uh, calculated risk. If you don't, if you don't follow Bill, oh, yeah. work, Great. like you, you have to, yep. Yep. um, but so again, my, my thesis is that we are not overall in a lack of housing. We are in lack of severe, severe lack of affordable housing because what do most investors want to purchase? They want to purchase the same thing that a first time buyer wants to purchase. And that's, I'm not trying to start a fight between what should or shouldn't be allowed to happen. It's just a fact that in most places in the country right now, Greg, if you gave a home builder the land for free, which typically accounts for 20 to 30% of a builder's cost, in the final, you know, what I put on that property. If you gave that to me for free in most parts of the country due to zoning, restrictions, uh, rules and regulations, and or customer preference, I can't deliver what someone wants to wants to live in for less than $300,000. It's just not possible, even if I got the land for free. Wow. Yeah, uh, and, and nobody's doing that. 
and very few people are doing that. There, there is a, a little bit of that going on in, in some places, but it's very, very, uh, very rare. What I think is most interesting about this chart in particular is the months under construction, because uh, construction is always, you know, the, the bullwhip effect, which I think Rob, you've talked about before as mm -hmm. well on, on on your shows. You know, the bullwhip effect of, you know, if you snap a whip and and the the wave, uh, the, the the peaks and the troughs. It's it's the most severe, and, and that's why I think housing has been the thing to like. You never thought inflation was transitory if you're a housing uh, mm -hmm. person, because to me it was the most clear and, and transparent impact of what inflation was really doing. Um, but builders have to think three years from now: should I buy that land today to go through the approval process to try to bring it to market in three years, and then it's going to take me another year-ish to build the homes on it, and then I can start making money. So then when you saw that blue line, which is the number of months currently you under bring that construction, back, actually, Kevin? Yeah, you, you bet. Yeah. Um, when you look at that blue line, it's like, holy smokes, the, the amount of noise in the system has never been worse in that I can't get all these homes finished for the customers who have purchased them or, or just generally because materials and labor are still in such short supply. Mm-hmm. That's so well, so okay. let's look at this chart that, that, for a Let me, let yeah. me just ask you. The, the big dip, that's obviously 20. So, you know, COVID, lockdown. Mm -hmm. So obviously construction just comes to a halt, more or less. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Uh, but it almost immediately starts picking up. I mean, it's, so that's when various state governments were like, hey, you know, real estate's uh, essential, construction's essential, something like that. Go back to work. Yep. So they start building and it's this straight line up into the right yeah, I just I'm switching charts on you, which I apologize, but okay. but this is from our friends at Homebuilder Data, and you can yeah. see the full trough here. What's interesting about this is this is not permits, this is not sales, this is just website activity is the red line on builder websites, and blue is conversions. So that visitor going to a website and then saying, "I would like more information on a home or this community," and wow. you can see that the whole thing recovered before April. Like right. we were very, kind of back to where we needed to be. Um, and that was what was so interesting about that particular data set is even before governments fully reacted to this, yeah, people were like, it's almost like the, the pandemic equivalent of getting your bread and milk was thinking, if I'm going to be stuck somewhere, I'm starting to look like right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, before yeah, I even yeah. before because we tend to think that people had the security of all this free money and everything first, but the data shows that consumers were already uh, doing the opposite of what we expected them to do. And yes. Okay, so uh, going back to this chart you're showing right yep. now, the red line is the months completed. Yeah. So obviously S the, sitting the, sitting there. So you see that line at its yeah. peak in 2009 at the trough yeah. of the GFC. Right. So in the 20 like post-COVID period, I mean, it's basically flat for a bunch and then goes down. Presumably that's because of all the supply chain disruptions and all that. So the people, builders just couldn't get lumber or whatever they needed to com actually complete. Is yep. that is that a proper? Yep. All right. Yeah, well, so, yeah. As soon as it was completed, it was gone uh, right. in, in that time frame. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Okay. So starting in looks like January 22, that completed line starts to creep up mm -hmm. and pretty sharply, except the under construction is even sharper. Like, what's yeah. the story there? How do we interpret that? Yeah, so again, uh, builders do have a lever of how fast, like once you move a house from under construction to fully complete, 
that often is a, a different form of carrying cost and finance charging. So your work in progress is financed differently than that home is sitting there complete. So I'm not saying this is a big piece of it, but it is important to understand that sometimes builders will intentionally slow the construction process in order to not trip covenants of so much completed inventory or for other financial reasons. But for the most part, um, yeah, there is this combination of we can't keep up, so just keep starting homes. And to whatever degree, like we know we're not going to have framers, but who cares? Go ahead and dig a hole because at least we'll be further ahead on the overall process and we'll try to figure out the framer part later. And so the this supply chain and, and manufacturing process just got so disjointed that, you know, I would talk to a builder and they would say, yeah, I have 110 homes sitting waiting for windows. And I know a builder in Pennsylvania, he hired a friend to go take a bunch of trucks down to four states away to buy windows in mass, mm -hmm. which is not the way. Normally you say, I just need this many of this size. I'm just going to buy them and warehouse them. Wow. Uh, so wow. the complete, complete supply chain disruption of both labor and materials. Uh, and, and so you start to see the red line creep up, but you'll notice, again, similar to Mike Simonson as Altos Research, uh, he, he's really trained me how to think about charts beyond his own data. We're still not where we typically would be. You know, mm -hmm. two, uh, a two-month finished supply would not be the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. We're still not there. But right. here's the big panic for builders and why um, they need real estate professionals and, and, and realtors to help is they see this big tidal wave that's in blue coming. And that's where if, if, if those don't move quickly, once they are fully complete, you're gonna see even bigger reactions made by home building organizations. So, so let me ask you this, Kevin, I mean, starting on this chart, staying on this chart, mm -hmm. the blue line are months under construction. So, so they've actually been- The months supply under construction. Months supply, yes. right. But those yep. are all projects that have already started, whether it's just a whole, you know, you know in yep. the ground or, but they're at various stages of completion, but they're under construction. Mm -hmm. The red line is completed. The gray line is not yet started. Now, yeah. the question is, all right, what the market seems to be suggesting, what the economy seems suggesting is rates, demand has completely fallen off the, you know, off the cliff. Uh, you know, forget it. Like housing is, is dead. You know, all these guys, all these people on YouTube, all these economists are like housing collapsed, the crash, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. What's the chance that those not yet started never get started? Like, what is it for a builder to say, okay, so I've got roughly mm -hmm. two months of inventory that's quote, not yet started, right? Do I have the option to say, you know what? I'm just never going to start this. Is you do. And you do have that option a hundred percent. There's, there's minimal costs. It's mostly time and energy that's lost. You know, per permitting fees are, are not usually, um, at, at the beginning that, that, big of an impact. And again, those production builders who always want to have supply, they will tee homes up because again, they don't need a customer to make selections. So that's just part, it, that's like the earliest stage of we're just going to get ahead of the game and have it sitting there ready to go. So we don't have to wait three months to go through permitting. So what yeah, I'm so looking at this stuff yeah. is, as, as being is, you know, on existing home sales, it's like, you know, it's a travesty that, you know, this happened with all the interest rates and everything, and that's really affecting the market in so way. But, but these guys, they're speculative, right? So they put money betting on that this is going to happen and happen. And 
you know, it's not like you're sitting in a house and it doesn't sell. and It's going to take you longer. You're just sitting in the house. These guys put hard earned money, labor, all the things that take of that. And then, so when this happened, they're even hurting worse than I ever thought. Right. Because this, and, the, and that's why they will, respond so much faster. Okay. Well, actually, let me ask Good about Lord. that piece as well, Kevin. So, cause again, I don't know, right. Um, yeah. This money that the builders are putting out, right. Is it their own money? Like I said, essentially cash mm. are they financing it like how what's this money uh it's a combination of some of their own money but but most of them you know they'll have uh, smaller builders will have personal guarantees and, and a lot of times their goal is by the end of every year to essentially erase those personal guarantees be free and clear and then decide what you want to do the next year um, the bigger builders often will have uh finance partners banks investors mm-hmm. um the the largest of the ones like and I can only speak for when I was there at NVR but at, at, at NVR each division essentially viewed corporate as the bank so they had a okay. billion dollars in cash two billion dollars in cash and each division manager would say hey I think we should build a neighborhood here and here's the potential return here's the market you should loan some of that billion dollars to me please and someone in Virginia would say no no I can use that money better uh, and so some of them are operating on their own cash but but certainly they're also financing a lot. Of I guess now the, the latest one, the, yeah. the, the newest different one, Rob, is, hey, how about I take none of the risk as a building company and I just serve as a general contractor so I don't have to worry about customers and you're going to buy them in bulk from me, often for rental. Right. So, no, I was, yeah, I didn't want to touch the BTR okay. trend yet. I wanted to get <laughs> to the basics of the, the reason I was asking is if it is financed, right? So let's say I'm a builder, I put in 10%, 20% of my own money in as equity, I go mm-hmm. finance the rest. Are those fixed loans? Or are they floating? Or like what's, uh, what I'm asking is because yeah. the impact of the interest rate increase on builders, not well, on consumers, we already know. Yes, yeah. and that's the, it will vary. And again, I, I may not know the answers of how every builder would do this, but for my time, it would vary depending on whether that home is sold or speculative. So again, there's going to be different rules and, and variations of, we'll give you some money to lend here at this rate, and that might be variable for your work in progress. But if you have a signed contract, then all of a sudden that, that gets viewed at as essentially not being on your books but by the banks. Mm. Okay. Because there's a, just like having a renter for, for uh, a rental property. Okay. It doesn't necessarily so, count against you the same way. So speaking only of the production builders you mentioned, the guys who just build, I don't have a customer, I'm just going to yep. get ahead of the curve. Most of those guys, is it safe to say that they're on a variable rate financing? Um, to, to some degree, the answer would be yes. It's going to be varying degrees, but some degree, yes. And, and Because then those guys have seen their cost of borrowing double. Or they will very or soon. they will. Right. Very, very soon. Because rates obviously went from whatever, you know, almost nothing to, to heading towards 5%. Okay. Yeah. Right, but and, the, but, but the here's the big... craziest part. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Kev. The craziest part is right now, a whole bunch of them feel great about their life because they have a ton of cash from closing a year and a half worth of inventory at double or triple their typical margin. Mm. The big question is, will they return with the higher interest rates to, to continue to build speculative inventory? So again, there's the ones who always do that, but there's a, there's a much bigger overall number of people who switch to doing more inventory and less pre-sale. And again, in the GFC, what happened is all those people who had the optionality said, no more inventory, pre-sale only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that kind of mirrors a little bit, Rob, of like what we were talking about last week of like, Hey, if you, you know, you've got a lot of equity in your house and if you're at 3.5% mortgage, right, you're not going to move. Right. I mean, in this case, what Kevin's talking about is like, okay, you're a builder. You made a ton, a shit ton of money in the past, like a thing, a past life. And now you're thinking, am I going to build? Right. Because now it's not as favorable yeah. of, of, an, of a climate to do so. Right. And, no, you're right. And you're, you're sitting on you're sitting on that inventory. And then the second observation I'm making is that these bigger companies, if they have the cash available, and they've already gotten favorable terms on that or whatever else. It's not such a you know, for them to build is not such a big thing. It's just like, is that inventory going to move because of all the other shit going on? You know, because people yes, can't right. afford to, to move in. People can't afford to buy their product, really, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's this is why I wanted this is gets the nub, the core of like what I was really interested in. I wanted Kevin's take on it, which was last week when we were talking about existing homeowners, right? I mean, my overall thesis was no one would sell unless they absolutely had to, right? Death, divorce, some reason that says I absolutely have to sell mm-hmm. because it's the worst market to be selling anything in. So, and we see that reflect in stats to some extent, right? And this is why I wanted Kevin's take on it. If you go to like EPB macro research, right? I think Eric Basmajian does an amazing job. What yeah, he points out is, job. right, the, the month's inventory of existing homes is super low. It's like almost near all-time lows. I think it's like 1.9 or some crazy number. And that's the number that NAR tends to reflect. Mm-hmm. But if you look at new construction, it's actually like eight. You know, it's actually yeah. above the the balance point. So there's almost too oversupply for new home construction. And that's my my what I'm trying to reiterate is that has yet to be fully felt. Like again, I talked to my builders and they would say, we're, "Well, I'm really concerned because we're going to have 40 inventory homes that might all become fully available and complete in September." But then I talked to them the next month and they're like, "Yeah, not yet. It'll be November." Mm-hmm. And it it just feels like. Q1, uh, particularly the end of Q1, is when every builder will no longer be able to to keep their head in the sand because a, a lot of that stuff is going to be done and out there, and there's no more. Q1 kind of, of this year. Yeah, Q1 of this okay. year. So, so, so you know, if if you're talking about all this, and I know it's like you know, the, we do not give financial advice on this podcast, but I mean, oh hell no, it, is there? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, is there a good time to buy, you know, um, new home sales? I mean, are, are discounts coming? I know there's there's already giving some, I've, I've been hearing that there's, you know, giving concessions, right? Because I think what it is, they don't want to give mm-hmm. the, they'll give concessions, but not on the total price or something, or or maybe like, a as you said in the beginning, maybe a, a better, a more favorable loan or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I think you should ask, and now is a good time. Um, the thing that's interesting is we finally in, in new construction are going back to the same question that I think every realtor asks their client, which is how long do you plan to be in the next home? That's not a question that new construction has asked. But but again, if you think about if you plan to live in that home for more than two and a half, three years, and it meets your needs and it's roof over your head and shelter, you're going to get a more competitive uh, interest rate in new construction than you're probably going to get an existing Um and yes, they are willing to negotiate on price, on options, on on all parts of the contract, on those fully completed homes. Because, and this is a rough number, but once that home is fully finished, remember, net profit is about 10% is what they're shooting for. 
every month that a home is completely finished, the the maintenance, the utilities, everything, the the, the borrowing costs, it's roughly 0.7 to 1% uh, against against that profitability number. So you cannot hold on to that home for very many months and still, you know, you're, you're building for practice, as we say, at that point. Right. I mean, so it's, you know, it's what, it's the same date, the rate, love the home, right? I mean, um, that's exactly. the thing a little bit. Yeah. Yep. yep. And a lot of builders are also through their mortgage partners are offering free one-time refinancing in the next three years as well. So if you oh, believe wow. rates will go down, then that's another great opportunity. Oh, right on. Okay. So the next question I have is this. All right. So we have this eight months of inventory for new construction, maybe two months for existing homes. Given what's coming in 2023, I think the expectation is we should not expect to see a whole lot of existing home inventory come on the market. We hope. We're, we're hoping. We're hoping and praying over here because that's our savior. Construction side, yeah. If there isn't availability on the existing side, it's going right. to help us a lot. Oh, right, right so on. Existing, okay. Right. Existing side, I think it's fair to estimate, unless something really changed the macro environment, there are a whole bunch of homeowners who are sitting on 2% mortgage, 3% mortgage, or they're entirely paid off. And they're like, for us to move, you know what I mean? Like, even if we sell our home, because, you know, like Sonny and I are in this, like we got this, we're not looking to move by any chance, but we're getting hammered by phone calls, right? Like, <laughs> hey, you should move and blah, 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 this and that. It's like, we would end up moving to a smaller house and pay and end up paying more because of the rates. Yep. So we think existing home inventory should stay very, very low. Mm-hmm. We have this eight month sort of new construction. And the question I have is, all right, at some point that's gonna get built, at some point the existing inventory that the new builders are like worried about, oh my God, I have this and I have to sell it to your point. I can't just hold on to it, right? Um, they'll, they'll do the incentives, et cetera, et cetera, and they'll clear it out, right? Yep. And the question becomes, will they then start ramping up What's building? Next? Do they say, hey, you know what? Uh, the cost of borrowing is way high. Our cost of capital, it's just not worth it. Let's slow down the building, slow down the new... new. And there's a little bit of data that I saw suggest that we, based on like building permits for last year, like drop something like 40, 50%. So it's, it's almost like new home construction activities dropping. And yeah. we may see where home builders just go, hey, I know we're sitting on a whole bunch of cash. We made a bunch of money during the pandemic years. Let's just hold on to it. Stop building. Stop investing in new... Like, what's what's the proper way of yeah, thinking but, about that? Kevin? But before he answers, I mean, there's. it sounds like there's a correlation. If there's, you know, if there's low supply in existing homes, that makes a new home product more compelling. And then on top of that, if they can offer incentives and also lower interest rates and everything else, that even makes that product even more um, appealing. Um, so there's there's a lot of I mean you know it's like a freaking four dimensional chess yeah. game these fuckers got to play. <laughs> play yeah, that's why I know where to, to deploy their capital, right? I mean that's I mean I uh-huh. good yeah. lord. Yeah, but Greg, on the flip side, it's like to deploy the capital, except that now to go and borrow money from the banks is going to cost me six percent, as you know, whereas yep. two years ago it cost me three percent, right? Yep. And I am still taking on this major risk, and we don't know if buyer we don't know what's going to happen. So the safe thing to do may be to just pause you know like yeah. we, we're already going to build well, well, but but they may right. have already gotten that cash last year and have an inch they might have a you know loans or whatever that are at a lower rate and then there's between that and what they can do it for they can get somewhere in the middle that's going to be better than well, everything that's what else. i was asking kevin about whether it's yeah. variable because if it's variable then it changes things it, so again 
Well, all that yeah, everything is variable because even if you get a fixed rate, it's for a period of time. And then that even that fixed rate is going to yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, everything in terms of financing is variable to some degree. One other thing important to remember about that chart we spent so much time looking at, Rob, is that uh, the Census Bureau does not take into account cancellations. So right. all those numbers are likely lower than they really are on right. the chart. They're probably Eric, Eric, actually all point. another yeah. month yeah. or two higher than where they yeah. are based upon cancellation rate. Okay, so let's say we have nine months of under construction supply in the pipeline right now. Yep. I guess what I'm asking is at the end of that nine months, right? Because all yep. these buyers have come in, taken advantage of the incentives, et cetera, right? So they bought all that out. Yep. How many months do you think we'll be we'll be seeing for new construction, under construction inventory in say September of this year? I'm gonna answer it a different way. I, I just, I'm telling you that the majority, the vast majority of home building companies will not start additional speculative inventory to replace what is sold off. And that, they will revert to, a, to exactly. I just don't, because remember month supply is hard for me is there's two parts that we, we don't really think about the second, which is that demand could just change. And then suddenly the month supply drops but it's not because you know the number of homes change. It's just they're they're moving off faster than they were, right? Um, so yeah, most of them are not going to do that. They're they're going to shift more towards like a GFC um, mindset of I need a customer attached to this contract because then my finance costs are lower because there is a, a customer attached to it, and so then uh, and again just like cancellation rate on that buyer profile who's gonna go through the whole process with you and is making a decision for a longer term and getting exactly what they want, they're less likely to cancel. Um, yeah, they're, they're just not, and, and that's that, that has to happen. That's the healthy part of all this, Rob, is if we just skipped on over to kind of just finding normal again, you know, the best part of the GFC was resetting land prices, resetting labor prices, and resetting, re resetting material prices. And so if we just skip through all this process uh, and continue on, uh, the industry is not going to be healthy at all on the other side of this. Even if numbers kind of get back to normal, it will not be a healthy industry. We'll still have okay. to do the work eventually. Okay. So what's your expectation for 23 for new construction then? I mean, is it, do you see this reset coming? Where, oh, In other words, okay, they've already committed to building. They have to keep those people employed. To your point, if they stop some of that, then you lose a factory, right? Yeah. And then you, maybe you never get that back. So they'll maintain some minimum level of construction, but mm -hmm. most home builders, especially yeah. the production side, are like, yeah, we're, we're not doing any more, right? Let's yeah. just sell out the stuff that we've committed to building. We're not starting anything new. So, so those high volume production builders, their first chess move is to say, you know what? Fine, build the homes for practice. What is the least amount of financial um, revenue we can profit we can get off of this? But let's keep the machine rolling and try to renegotiate again to get in our time machine and just say the land that's going to be a community in three to five years. Let's renegotiate it, renegotiate that as hard as possible. But let's keep things more or less moving. Uh, but that's not where again the vast majority of home builders are. Th those are companies of a different sort. They, they really are. That's why I keep saying they're, they're manufacturers, even if they're not, they're not modular, 
but they, they think like a manufacturer, like yeah. an Apple computer. Like what, what is the, what is the, the most profitable product I can build right now? Let's build those, right? They look yep. at all the product they have and like, what is the, has, has the most margin? Let's focus on that now. Right. Right. Yeah. That or, or based upon their agreements with, with, you know, so some builders self-develop, they are the developer of the community, like the streets and the, and the sewer and all that. And some are just buying finished lots. And so if they don't have that, like some of them want to just move through velocity to, to make sure that the development part of their business doesn't pull the whole thing out from underneath them. Like we have to sell a hundred. And even if we break even, that's better than losing $3 million, uh, you know, personally on the, on the land development side. Okay. So I guess that question Greg just asked brings us to the topic I said, we're going to tackle, which is all right. We're here. Right. <laughs> I mean, last few years, last couple of years, man, and I've been talking about this very presentation. So built to rent is clearly like the hot sector, if you will, of some of the, yeah. some of the new construction, what's going on with built to rent now? Like how's it changed? Let's say from 2020. Yeah. At the start uh, of the pandemic. And I think Bill or John Burns is another great group. Uh, the, the, in, in my world, John Burns, Zonda, uh, yep. Zellman, and, and, yep. and Calculated Risk are the people I pay the most attention to. Yep. And there's already stories of, of projects going bust. Because what happened is it, it's the problem of too much money. There's too much money. People in New York, people in L.A., wherever they are in these big, tall office buildings with their spreadsheets say, this deal should work. And then they're, you know, but it, but it works based upon a timeline that, as we saw, isn't going to happen. Like the, mm -hmm. the, if the project needed to be approved in February of 2022, and it still isn't approved in January of 23, and now that financing has changed, that, that project no longer works. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, that's, that's, I would say, a healthy thing because that, now that, that parcel of land is open for, for another idea and another mm -hmm. way of doing things. I think... Um, this goes back into your renter nation discussion as well, uh, Rob, because that is a potential path, but I think it's being overly invested in right now. And what builders are, you know, the, the builders who didn't take on build to rent quickly, but now are considering it as an alternative option, just like builders would say, well, we normally don't go back and finish basements in homes, but we will now, or some home building companies are getting into remodeling because they just want to try to diversify what they can do. Mm -hmm. So some of them are saying, well, well, we'll, we'll turn that project into build to rent, but uh, all the terms of the negotiation are, are vastly different than they were a year ago. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking at it and saying, well, maybe I'll try to do build to rent then on my own. Uh, just like self-developing a neighborhood lets you leverage, you know, a lower cost of land to make your community more, more um, market worthy. But it's, it's not the rose that everyone thinks it is. Uh, I can say that. Um, yeah, okay. the stuff that the stuff I'm reading on Twitter a lot is like everybody's spreadsheet are all at, are, are at three and a half percent, and that just does not exist anymore. So I mean, the afford which all really what it really affects is just affordability, which is demand, right? So no, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it, it was great when you had three and a half percent, you could make everything work, right? But now yep. it's it's now it's more of a you know. Like I go back to, it's more of a four-dimensional chess game. It's like you've got okay, uh -huh. shit. What do I do now, right? I mean, yep. um, and I've worked been... with some very large um, BTR organizations who who their like their goal was to go from zero to sixteen communities in three years uh, mm -hmm. of of hundreds or thousands of homes in each neighborhood. And in those early discussions two or three years ago, they said, "Well, you know what, Kevin? The other thing though is that this really only works if we can get people to not move." 
and stay in our unit, you know, three to five years or longer. Mm. It's, it's, it's not just the premium we think we can get on single family build to rent or build to rent. It's that if there has to be less churn because of the product type being a better fit for what they want for a longer period of time. Mm. And so to wow. me, it's like, sure. well, if that was necessary, if that was necessary, even back then, holy crap, what almost be necessary now to make that, mm. that pencil. Yeah, okay, the churn. So if, I've never really thought of thought of churn in that. I guess you lose a month here, you lose a month there, you lose two months or three months on whatever type of product. That adds up, right? That adds up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I guess what I'm wondering then is like at a macro level, what I'm hearing is something like something like this. All right, as at the early as here we are in January of 2023, right? There's a pretty significant oversupply of new construction. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, most of it under construction. In other words, the already <laughs> right. finished product is is going right. Yeah, there's a pretty significant uh, inventory of under construction, roughly eight months, maybe nine months, depending on cancellation rates. All of those builders, or most of those builders, once that product is finished and sold, they're not eager to start new projects. Yep, there are a bunch who went into sort of build to rents because you know that had a quote buyer attached to some big hedge fund, private equity funds like, hey, yeah, build these 500 homes, we'll buy the entire thing from you, right? None of those are, a lot of those are not gonna work anymore. Uh, So those projects go and bust to your point, which means that those homes will never be built. The land goes back to whatever and can be Mm -hmm. used in some other fashion. But what that implies is just- Eventually we're gonna need a lot more homes. Right. It's like, so what it implies is not a lot of construction happening. Existing sellers, like Brian and I discussed last week, we don't think they're going to put their homes in the market. Um, so we're at a point where, well, how hold this on. ends up in, what well, No, just so, you know, Kevin, from your, from your standpoint, there was that trough in, in, after the GFC. Mm-hmm. Is that, are we talking about that level of a trough? Are we, are we in the middle of that? Is it 20% of that? Is it 90% of that? I mean, cause there's still seems to be, you know, as I was talking about, it might be some uses cases or there, you know, for getting a new home, as far as the things that I talked about before. I mean, what do you think that yeah. level of trough is going to be? Is well, it, that uh, there's, there will be a trough shut down basically it, it shut down basically before. Right. But Yeah, and it shut down not just because of builders' own actions, but because the existing inventory was impacted through bankruptcies and foreclosures and short sales to a... a, Right. I mean, I remember going through a a new construction neighborhood that was three years old, about halfway done overall, but it seemed like five out of every 10 homes were for sale or in foreclosure Mm -hmm. that that had already been sold once by the builder. And so that's the part that we hopefully are not going to have to deal with doesn't seem like we're going to have to deal with no yeah so i think it will still be short um or painful but hopefully it doesn't it doesn't go to that that same degree because i think where you're going rob is eventually well let me let me say this way the gfs the narrative overall is that existing homes have to continue to appreciate to support new construction pricing because new construction is always a premium just like a new car is a premium over a used car unless it's a, a classic, right? Um, so we need existing to help new construction continue to move. And what happened is because new construction responds faster, and, and this is 
both opinion and fact here. Yep. Responds faster to the market cycles because of the nature of it. Yep. New homes increased in price faster often than existing homes. Yep. And so now we're in this period where existing, like you said, Rob, we're going to under underbuild hopefully a, a little bit, or we already under are underbuilding in affordability. Yep. E existing valuations will come back, and then new construction will come back to meet it. I mean that. It's just a question of how well, long. That's part of it. The other part, and this is the thing that, like the you know Bill uh, McBride and like uh, Eric Besmajian and these guys talk about, is new construction sets the price mm -hmm. because new construction responds faster. They're looking at demand. They're yeah. looking at interest rates. They're looking at the macro conditions. They're like, yeah, we're gonna. To your point, we're gonna cut two hundred thousand dollars off this house, and then we're gonna offer incentives, and then we're gonna do that because we need to get it off our inventory. And the idea is that that will then impact existing homes as well, right? So if you are one of those very few people, in my opinion, who are going to have to sell their house, now you're competing against new construction that's like, I thought I was going to get 700 for this house. Yep. I'm not. I'm going to get 500, right? So now I have to go out and say it's 500. Here's so we the should see price decrease is, is the theory of the bears, the housing. Yeah, bears. that's the theory. But here's the thing that's a little bit, again, just a reminder that in an existing home, you have equity, which is this concept of what the home would be worth if it was sold. But it's not tangible in the same way, and people can disagree with me, that's fine. It's not tangible in the same way as I just paid a framer and a lumber yard X amount of money, and that is my cost. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so like there is a real, I'm going to, I'm not just losing equity or potential profit, I'm going negative uh, that a home builder has that pressure. Right. And that's why they're, they're not going to just say, well, I just lost 20 grand on that one. Let's build another for the right for the future right 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 so i think what that's driving for me is that even if new construction supply right now seems high because they're going to be flexible they will drop their price right they'll clear out their inventory that drop the new construction guys dropping the price will then reverberate through the existing home markets mm -hmm. right for the people who do end up having to sell they're like yeah you know what i'm not going to get what i thought i was going to get a lot of them will be okay with it because they have the equity or they're dead or whatever, or they're divorced, and it's like I don't give a shit whether I make any money on this. I need to just get away from this, this you know, my ex uh, spouse, right? I mean, that could happen, yep. but it should drive prices down. Mm -hmm. right? And the housing bears, their whole thing is price going to collapse thirty percent this year. Housing price declines have already begun. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, at least for the last year, I'm looking at all the charts. Like, sale transactions are down, yeah, because buyer demand is there. Prices are still up, like yep. 4%, 5% year over year. And I keep looking at the dynamics. I'm saying, I don't know if new construction is large enough. Because even in a normal year, right, it's only about 20, 25% of existing homes to have that level of price decrease, which then yeah. even further negatively impacts affordability. Right. In yeah. other words, the idea that housing prices going to collapse, and now these legions of millennials and Gen Z, you know, who haven't had a raise in twenty years, all this stuff, you know, that they can um, come back in and buy the homes now because they're two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. No, and and it's, and right? it's not going to happen because of the overall size of the market. I agree with you. It's also not going to happen because of the price bands that builders are building in. So again, you pick any suburb in the country and you look at new construction compared to existing that's 5, 10, 15, 20 years old, they're different yep. price buckets. I mean, yep, yep. and still, <sighs> if you looked at that total available uh, two month, one, one to two month 
Like none of that's under 300. If the home is around 300, under 300, it's gone right, or will be right. gone very soon, even in the new construction world. Right. All right. I know uh, we have, we have, uh, God, I can't believe we talked for like an hour on new construction. See, I told you, it's, it's a lot we, more. We got to have Kevin, we got to have Kevin back on. He's, this has been great. Yeah. Thank oh, you it's so been a, much. Been a blast. Man, and and I just want to say thank you to, to both of you and uh, to the, to the uh, existing home world in general, because you know, we can maybe be a little bit of a future indicator <laughs> to some things like we talked about today. Yeah. But when things are boring in my world, it gets really interesting in yours. And so uh, it's, it's, I've really enjoyed getting to know more about your world as All well. All right. So uh, where do people find you if they uh, want to know a little bit more about what you do and, you know, your perspective on, on the industry? You bet. Just uh, Google Kevin Oakley. Worked very hard on that. That'll uh, show up in number one. Go to doyouconvert.com, LinkedIn, Twitter are my two two happy places if you just want to message back and forth. All right. Hey, uh, it's Kevin, thank you so much for your time. We'll definitely have to have you back because, you know, as uh, as this year develops, we'll see how the housing market develops and how new construction plays a role. And you are... At this point, our in-house, like our, our favorite resident, uh, new home. <laughs> if that means I get an invitation to LobbyCon, I'm, I'm good with it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. And, uh, great. Thank you, you Kevin. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, listeners. <laughs>